Hi, this is Matt Ryan from The Talking Farm. I'm with Mike Novak, standing in the middle of a hoop house, and you are listening to Q4 Radio Chicago. Q4.org. The Mike Novak Show. Starts in 3, 2, 1. Ben Harris. Ben Harris. And where are you from? Where are you hail from? Um, Skokie, Illinois. Really? Just about two, two and a half miles from here. Yeah? So what are you doing with an apple press? Um, well, at one time I ended up with a large corporate team building program. Mm-hmm. I put it into the budget. Corporation bought it. I kept it and have been doing this for about 15 some odd years. So you're not a farmer? Not a farmer. <laughs> I'm as urban as they come. I have two vehicles, a minivan, uh, three kids, a corn snake two guinea pigs, cats and dogs, but I love this. I got introduced to this when I was about 17. I had an urban experience, or a rural experience, and um, the farmer was showing us how to make cider, which is exactly the same contraption here, and I'm like, Is this an original, or somebody built this? Um, I bought it as a kit, and the design hasn't changed for about 200 years. Uh Um, This is kind of a home style. When they do it commercially, they use hydraulic presses. Um, I can get about two and a half gallons per bushel, and a commercial press can get about four or five uh, gallons per bushel. Uh Yeah, not quite as efficient. Not quite as efficient, but for a a learning experience, it's incredible. It's it's wonderful. So uh, explain a little bit. It's a pretty, pretty simple setup. Oh, totally. Just we have people wash their hands before cooking. Then we get apples. They wash once, twice, thrice. They put it into the grinder. They mush them up. Well, you spin the wheel. Spin the wheel, which is a grinder. Yeah, and it sends it through. It's almost like a a meat grinder. Like a meat grinder. Yeah. And then after we get enough in there, then we have kind of like a cheesecloth to hold all the contents in there. And then we use like a grape press just to smush everything down. And then we get sweet cider at the end. Well, people. It tastes exactly like liquid apples. It tastes like liquid apples. Yeah. It does. It it's, does. It's almost, I mean, have you ever made apple liqueur out of it? I have made hard cider once in my life. Oh my goodness. And uh, it was a bit of a science experience. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll do it again. Uh, and if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Uh, just go ahead, Ben Harris One at RCN.com, or my cell number is seven seven three three five four. Four eight six eight. All right, thanks, Ben. Enjoy. Uh, you got lo- you got lots of yeah. I kind of go. Gotta, I kind of go, go back to work here. <laughs> Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete encrusted banks of the North Branch of the Chicago River. It's the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Good planets hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes, and true currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong goes on and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. He's not the most interesting man in the world, but he does stay thirsty. Here he is, Mike Novak. What did she mean by that? All right, stand by. One more time. 
So, here we are on a Sunday morning in Chicago. Uh, anything interesting happened last night? Nothing? No. No? Nothing? Any, anything important? Of No. Although, okay. uh, the city kind of does feel a little bit lighter today. <laughs> it does? After uh, how many years? Yeah, uh, oh, oh, as in burdens? <laughs> that kind of thing? As in burdens lifted? The goat is feeling a little safer. <laughs> He's not going to be barbecued. <laughs> You're, oh, you got it. You can do it better. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Where did you get that? Wow. You do it. Do you do it? Do you do any other impressions? Yeah, not this morning. <laughs> that was that was uh, pretty funny. Uh, welcome to the Mike Novak Show. That is uh, Peggy Goat Malecki. <laughs> do that one more time. No, <laughs> come on. That was just too good. Oh, come on. All right, all right. Uh, and um, yeah, how about them uh, White Sox? I mean Cubs. Uh, that was uh, go Bears. Go, oh, please out of town. See, now, do you think the McCaskies are paying attention? No. About how that's supposed to be done? Come on. So I got home yesterday. My neighbor had decorated their home for Halloween and has some tombstones on the yard, and the predominant one is Dub Bears. Yeah. Gone. Well, are you They're kidding? Done. I um, was, uh, you know, flipping around on Thursday and was watching the Cubs game. And it wasn't until, I, I mean, somewhere in the middle of the Cubs game, I, I was flipping something, and I, went, and I realized the Bears were out. I had no idea. And they were playing Green Bay, and I went, yeah, so? what's Who cares? Who cares? Oh, well. Well, congratulations to you, uh, you Cubby people, uh, all you Cubs fans out there. Uh, and if you live in a different city uh, and you're listening to this show, uh, even you can understand, <laughs> I would think. They can still hear it. Why people are excited here in Chicago and why there were some fireworks last night. You say it was kind of noisy up your way, or, or was it? No. All right. And it wasn't mine, either. It wasn't that cr- I, I don't live in Wrigleyville. Thank, thank goodness. I did hear from some people in the city who said that there was a lot of fireworks in their neighborhoods. Not surprising. Yeah. And I live in the city, but not my neighborhood. Na- must be a lot of Sox fans in my neighborhood. I don't know. There's <laughs> something. Uh, and your team won? Uh, my team won big. Uh, go blue. Yay. Uh, and they sorry for ding. you. Ill, uh, yeah. Sorry for you. Uh, we didn't even give the, give the uh, Cubs a ding. Cubs get a double ding. <laughs> do they get a, a, a goat? No. Uh, oh, you're never going to do it again <laughs> for me, are you? When uh, you least expect it. Okay. <laughs> and have me on the floor. Oh, you sure? You got any other impressions? Come on. I want some more animal impressions. No. Come on. It's too Come early. on. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the show. It's, uh, gosh, we got a lot of stuff going on uh, today. And uh, and it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We're going to get up into around 70. And do you have plants staring at you in your backyard? I have two flats of ferns that need to be taken care of. I have of. a flat of ferns that need to be, I still need to continue ripping out some of the plants I don't want before I put the ferns mm-hmm. in and other stuff that I need to put in. And, yeah, those plants are staring at me as well. And I've got the jack in the pulpit still need to go out. And oh, yeah. Two other I still have those seeds in my car. I, I'm hoping they sprout in the back seat. 
Oh, um, but I'm going to throw that could some be scary. Peggy gave me some Jack in the Pulpit seeds that I'm just going to scatter in uh, the yard. Those are native Jack in the Pulpit, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay, just making yes. sure here because I I I also have the uh, trillium you gave me. They're ready to be. They've been staring at me all <laughs> summer, but they're still. They're, they had had them in a nice, cool, damp place near the house. So I'm in sure the car. roots in, in my car. <laughs> I got another person coming by today after the show to uh, pick up strawberries, uh, a Marshall strawberry. So I have a. I, I actually remembered I didn't have to run home at the last second to get uh, Marshall strawberries before the show. This so is a good I, thing. I'm going to be giving that away to Jeff, who's who claims he's going to be sitting out in the parking lot listening to the show. Jeff. Don't stalk me, okay? Please. But that's okay. You know, it's <laughs> odd. I mean, if you want to sit in the parking lot and listen to the show, which you can do, by the way, and we, we, we don't mention it enough, that obviously now we're, we're uh, streaming live on Facebook. If, uh, if somebody's listening to the live stream on Facebook, you should let us know. Send us a – actually, you know, there's a chat room. I forgot about that. Okay. We no. got to we got to try this out. All right, for the people. I have one thing more to do here. <laughs> I know, I know. But if you're listening to the live stream on Facebook, there is actually a chat room, uh, a Q4 chat room. It's not just mine. It's for Q4, Q4 Radio, sixteen eighty AM, Q4 org, and uh, and uh, it's just one more thing that we'll miss during the course of the show if you contact us. But I'd be interested if, if people are listening. On that live stream, of course, you can catch us, uh, you, you know, go to MikeNovak.net, and that takes you to Q4, and you can listen there. And Peggy and I are having a little discussion about computers and people who don't know how to listen to audio on a computer in 2016. But we won't go into that because we'll just get bitter <laughs> about that. We don't want to go that down that road. Uh, you can listen on the TuneIn app. I think Jeff is listening on the TuneIn app today. And, and I'm going to apologize right now. I'm sniffling like crazy. I'm just, I, I have had so many sneezing jags this morning already. I sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I wasn't going to bring the, bring up the fact that you're trumping here this yeah, morning. Yeah, trumping this morning. <laughs> Stop that. Okay, I will, okay. I will, I will, I will turn my head when I need to breathe. Or maybe just, <laughs> I, maybe I'll just not breathe for about an hour and, 50 minutes here and see what happens. See how that works out. Um, it's allergies, folks. I don't have a cold. It's just, I think it's my cat doing it to It might be in the mold and everything. I, and outside all day, yeah. yesterday afternoon probably didn't help either. <clears throat> well, that's true. We were, and we'll talk about it in just a second. We were out at uh, the talking farm in Skokie on Howard. Uh, is it Howard Avenue Street? What, I Howard think, Street. I think it's Street, yeah. And uh, and their Hullabaloo 2016 and had a great time and lots of fun people there and fun acts. In fact, one of them we're going to have on the show soon, the uh, the Jug Band. Um, do you have your cheat sheet from yet? Yes. Strictly Jug Nuts. Strictly Jug Nuts. Give Strictly Jug Nuts a ding. We said, I said, you guys... Have just you got to come into the studio. We're gonna have a jug band here in the studio within a few weeks. Yeah, it's Skip Lance and his whole team from Old Town School of Folk Music. Right, and uh, they were just too, and they do green songs. Yeah, which how cool is that? 
And I think he said he's going to give you harmonica lessons, too. Did you hear that, Kathleen? I'm going to have harmonica <laughs> lessons. You might you might want to consider... Earplugs. I was thinking maybe she <laughs> needs to uh, rent out an apartment for a while. For you? Uh, yeah, I think so, for me. But then, what do I... Uh, maybe, you know, we do have a garage. So, that's I, that might be... Or basement. No, the basement's still... <laughs> You got plants you still, down there. You, yeah, you can still hear stuff down there. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, so we had a great time yesterday, and we're going to play at the top of the show. You heard um, the Apple Press guy, and uh, you remember? <laughs> give me the cheat sheet again, because you've got. See, you're good. You bring this stuff in. That's because I didn't bring it yesterday. Ben Harris. Oh, that's true. You forgot to bring it to the event. Now, I had it at the event. Ben Harris, uh, not a farmer, but he was there with his homemade Apple Press, and how cool was that? And the kids throwing in apples, and there, you took a video of me, which I need to put up. It's like, you know, 15 seconds of me cranking the apple press, and that was fun. Uh, so we want to thank all the great people there, and I'm going to have a, a, an interview, a little tour in just a second. It's, very, it's fairly short, but kind of fun, of uh, Matt Ryan, who's a farmer out there at the Talking Farm, and he sort of took us through the fields, or the field it's not more than one. There's a, it's a pretty big farm for uh, uh, urban, suburban area. But, and they've got a great hoop house, and they've got uh, cover, row covers and things, and uh, it's looking good. And so we'll talk about that. But later in the show, in the studio already, Kelly Nichols, uh, who I met at an event that the Illinois Environmental Council sponsored uh, in September, which was a town hall, an environmental town hall. And I was speaking on behalf of the Illinois Recycling Association. I'm a, a full disclaimer. I'm a board member, unpaid. <laughs> so let's get that in there, just so you know. It's always that. When I give my full disclaimer on the show of the various organizations I'm in, it's always unpaid. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, I saw... Kelly Nichols speaks. She's with Mom's Clean Air Force, uh, and she was excellent. And she's sitting here just tweeting away and Facebooking away on her little device there, just waiting for us to turn our attention to her <laughs> and talk about Mom's Clean Air Force and policy. You know, I love the idea that she got up there and she was wonky and talked uh uh, policy about clean air and and how it affects your families and what's going on at the various levels of government. I mean, I was impressed. And so we said, yeah, you, you need to come on this show. So she's here to talk about that, and she'll do that in a little bit. Uh, at 10 o'clock, repeat performance from Deborah Shore, uh, commissioner uh, from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. And she was here in April to talk about an ordinance that Cook County is trying to pass, which uh, would deal with the proper disposal of pharmaceuticals. So instead of putting them in the water, and I find out, I found out something doing some research on it, and I'll ask her about it, which is pretty amazing, is the FDA still tells people to flush it down mm-hmm. the toilet. Yes. Are you out of your minds, folks? And that's what they tell a lot of medical facilities to do as well. And I saw that you had a great question that we'll have to ask, Deborah, which is what happens to medical facilities if this ordinance passed? Yeah. How does it affect them? Because everything's talking about household. household. Right, because she's talking about how, you know, look in your cabinet. Apparently 30 to 40% of the medicines 
that you get uh, are unused or out of date. And if they're out of date, I hope they're unused. Uh, and a lot of folks just, they throw them away or worse, dump them in the toilet, uh, in the sink, whatever. Not good, folks, because it goes into our water. And it's interesting because the point that uh, it's one of the points that I saw in my research is that you got to remember the water reclamation district is dealing with water that's going into our rivers, but that mm-hmm. doesn't go into our doesn't go to Lake Michigan because it goes out to it goes the other way. Right. So it's really not Chicago we're talking about. It's people downstream. Uh, but we still need to be, pay attention to that. And so uh, Deborah Shore. From the MWRD will be here back. It's always great to have her uh, come in the studio. She's very gracious about her time and and does that. Uh, and maybe we'll get some um, MWRD uh, suggestions for the election. I don't know. She wants to do that. Um, and oh, and one more thing. The last time she was here was April 10th. Does that ring a bell? Ding. Thank you. That was two days before I. Spent nine oh, days yeah. in the hospital. I looked back in that and I went, ow, ooh, I don't want to be reminded of that. It's like, little did I know on April 10th <laughs> what was about to unfold. Uh, then around, uh, there's no Rick DeMaio today. Aw. Oh. Sorry. Wah, wah. He's, um, he's busy. You know, I, I give him whatever time he wants. Uh, and uh, so Karen Lewis will be here. No, not, not the Karen Lewis from the Chicago. Not public. her. Not her. But Karen Lewis from Chicago Wilderness, the Chicago Wilderness um, uh, uh, Congress, is coming up on the 2nd of November. And you and I will be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot with Chicago Wilderness lately. They have their priority species campaign going on, One Home. And you should give money to that. Uh, pick, a, pick a species like the blue-spotted salamander. Or the red-headed woodpecker. Red-headed woodpecker or the Henslow sparrow. Or the monarch butterfly or the ellipse mussel. Which is in first place. I know. I isn't that the mussel is in first place? you got to love that. That's too funny. I was like, wait a minute. Someone's, yep. been, someone's been like stacking the deck for that. Yeah. So uh, she's here to talk about the Congress, what it means, uh, and why you might want to head over there for – strategy sessions which they will be having all day they have these tracks and i want to talk to her about the different tracks and Mm -hmm. what they mean and why folks should show up and of course chicago wilderness is a great organization they're going to be doing a wild things conference in that's february 19th i think 17th is is that what it is it's right around there yeah yeah so uh yes the ellipse is far far out ahead really with the blue spotted salamander running second place how about that and the Monarch in third. And if you go to uh, chicagowilderness.org and click on the individual species, in about six of them you will hear my dulcet tones because I voiced uh, those various animals for them, which was really fun. So, all right. Yes, you were a little brown bat, if I recall. I was a little brown bat. In fact, that's the one I think I'm going to donate. Uh, oh, and next week, are, are we going to be talking bats? I hope. I hope so. I hope so. We hope to get somebody from the Field Museum you know, it's October 30th, time to talk bats. And bison. And bison. Because I'm going out to Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie this week to take a look because the 5th of November is National Bison Day. I bet you didn't know that. 
National Bison Day. So uh, Kelly's like, what? There's hmm. just hmm. She's tweeting away. Just do, 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 do. <laughs> are you tweeting or Facebooking, Kelly? Facebooking. She's Facebooking. Get us a tweet out there too. Get a, okay. <laughs> We need we need we need some tweets. It's at Mike now. I haven't we haven't gotten any tweets in today, it's which quiet. is quiet. It really you know what I'm telling you. Cubs fans, they're all hung over. Nobody's listening. Not even Annie's not even out there. Annie's well, I don't know if she's a Cubs fan. But, but irregardless, Annie's not out they're there. They're asleep or they don't care or they're watching Casey Tomato, where are you? It, who knows? They're I hope they're all there. They're Is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Test? One, two. Uh let's go back to uh the talking farm. And Matt Ryan, who is a farmer out there, and as I was, as we were there, he was doing a tour. Mm-hmm. And let me pull this up. Yeah, and, and the Talking Farm, if you're not familiar with it, it is an urban-suburban agriculture experimental and talking farm to talk with the community about how you can farm in your yard and do urban farming. It started in 2010, and it's on Howard Street, and they work with evanston township high school and a lot of children's groups and community groups and uh they as i mentioned earlier it's still kind of you know there's still stuff growing and so he was able to show folks what was going on in the fields right there and this is it's fairly short but i think uh pretty interesting this is uh, matt ryan up at the talking farm arugula um kale swiss chard get some turnips and radishes all things that can take the cold. So eventually, when it gets cold enough, we'll put plastic over these hoops, and that'll keep out the cold weather. And this backfield, this one has been kind of our our cash crop field. It's been all leafy greens all season. So now we're just doing cover crops. So it's soil fertility plan. Um, this will all be cover crops and just kind of build back the soil. You guys familiar with cover crops? So it's, it's not a crop you harvest. It's a crop that builds soil fertility. So we have legumes and we have oats. And then in the spring, we'll till them back into the soil, add organic matter, fix mm-hmm. nitrogen. It's very common organic farming method. So how many harvests can you do per per, per year? Um, so it depends on what the crop is. Right. So some crops so some crops you only get two in for okay. one square foot of space, and some you can get four or five. So this field had high turnover. So every okay. two weeks we planted four new rows, oh. and we just keep re-sowing, you know, every And like tomatoes, those are in the ground for, you know, three months. Right. So you get like one crop before them, and then them, and that's usually it. So it depends Have you on changed during the winter season? Because some are not. Yeah, so like this field is all winter crops. Okay. So much more cold tolerant, much more hardy. This one we're letting rest. So that one we'll do cover crops, but yeah. And what cover crops are you using? Uh, this year we're doing oats and peas. So they're ones that winter kill. So you don't have to really like incorporate them into the soil too much. If you do ones that make it through the winter, in the spring... They're still alive, and so they've almost become a weed. So, yeah. if you, so if you don't kill them, you're like now fighting what was once a beneficial thing. Now it's like. So. I, I talked to a friend the other day who was uh, was actually Brianne Heath from the Pie Patch and Peterson Garden Project, and she said earlier in her career she used uh, clover, yeah. and then she was fighting it the whole next year. Yeah, so it's kind of you kind of shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, but a lot of those things that overwinter are better for the soil. Because they, they stay alive longer in their root zones and all this stuff, but it's harder to till them in. Yeah. So it's a catch-22. Yeah. We'll keep going a little bit more, guys. Yeah. We'll show you these back two fields. 
this is like the last of the leaf lettuce that's we're done harvesting that baby red russian kale the tart method is a new technique we've used this year oh yeah so it's, explain that so every four weeks every two weeks we plant four new rows and so once the four rows are done for that week we tarp them and then within, Me, meaning you put a tarp over them yeah put a tarp over them and then basically it just kills them so it solarizes them and then when you pull the tarp off in two weeks it's completely weed free residue free don't you worry about killing the biology as well um i don't i don't i think it only gets hot to you know kind of a real sh shallow level yeah but the thing is all that organic matter is now being put back into the soil yeah. So I, th I think it's actually a soil building technique because otherwise we'd have to pull this out and compost it. But now we're actually, all this grows up and then it dies right back down in place. You're not going to do it with these beds, are you? These are done. These are yeah. done for the fall. Yeah, the, so. the lettuce and the... Uh... Yeah, we're not going to do it now. But we would. When this was bitter and done, we just pull the tarps right over it. Uh -huh. It saved us so much time. It's been a lifesaver. So, In the back we got like hazelnut trees... And then we got Asian pears along the fence line. So we're really trying to do like the whole biodiversity thing between perennials, annual vegetables. Yeah. We sell at the farmer's markets. Yeah, so we do, we do farmer's markets, we do restaurant sales, um, and then wholesale. Okay. So we got a wholesale distributor who comes once a week, picks up everything. Nice. So this week, we, this year we did four farmer's markets. Hopefully next year we'll start doing more. Uh, we're thinking about doing a CSA. Oh, yeah. That's another big thing where I'm from. So we'd probably start off small. We'd probably do like a 10, 15-member CSA for the first year, just for fun, just see how it goes. The CSA stops are like all over town where I'm from. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. So we're hoping to use the farm as a CSA pickup spot. So Saturdays, people would come pick up, but then you'd have farm events around the CSA pickup time. So you did canning classes or if you did any kind of workshops. So. Well, my parents have shares, so they love it. In, in New York? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. So hopefully we'll start doing that. That's always a fun, fun thing. So, yeah. We got our water main put in this year, which was a big deal. Big infrastructure project for us. Two-inch water main, five feet under the ground. Um, and then most of the stuff's on drip irrigation. That's so kind of a water conservation practice. Yeah. And, and and it comes out of city water, I assume? It's municipal water, yeah. Municipal so we're charged water. by cubic, whatever, the cubic feet. So the farm is charged. It's not like you're... Um, working with somebody it's no, your it's, own yeah it's right yeah so we have a meter rpz in, inside the mechanical room mm. so it's a yeah it's going to be a big expense as years go on but it's also something you need i mean this is something that a lot of little farms don't have so just having that dedicated water supply is important and to know that the water's not contaminated so a lot of times if you have well water or if you have pond water there can be contamination issues we have municipal water. We don't have to worry about that. Or we don't have to regulate it or check it or test it. So, yep. Are you familiar with the hoop houses? Uh, somebody told me about Yeah, we actually got a new one on order that's going to come anytime. So what's this? Yeah, so this, these are uh, mostly radishes and turnips, cold weather crops. These are the last of our peppers. Mm -hmm. And then behind the peppers were tomatoes on trellises. Um, so, yeah. So this isn't the covered thing you were doing over there? No, yeah. So that this field here is the cover crop. Oh. And then this field here is the cover crop. So we're basically putting half the farm under cover crop, and then next year we'll switch it. 
So next year, those two will be cover cropped, and these two will go into fall production. And that's just to improve and regenerate the soil. Yeah, total soil fertility practice, yeah. And this is the first year that you're planting all over the land? This is the first year we've had all four fields okay. in play. So this is our third production season, but the first season with all four working. Yeah. And this is the hoop house. You guys can step in here and see how much warmer it is. I mean, when the sun, when the sunlight's in here, it's even significantly warmer. Yeah, it's it's still a little warmer now. I was here earlier when the sun was beating down. It's it's amazing. If you don't open that door, it'd be ninety degrees in here. So you're going to be doing low tunnel in here? Yeah. So we'll well? we'll double it up. Yep. But probably just with cloth, with mesh, agrabond, mm -hmm. not with plastic. So that's what these are for. Yeah. Yep. And this is baby red Russian kale. Uh, you know, it goes right in salads. Chefs love it. So we're going to build another one of these this, this fall. It's going to be 10 feet wider. So this is 20 by 70. Next one will be 30 by 70. So this is the most valuable real estate on the farm. So having more of these is better. Yeah, well, because saying. you can grow yep. all, all year long. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And there we have it, our little tour of the uh, the talking farm up in Skokie. I thought the audio was very NPR-ish, don't you think? You yes. could hear the people walking and in, 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 in that sort of thing. So, I don't know. You could hear the jug band in the background. <laughs> the jug band in the background. Well, no, actually, that was um, the other band, the one with the fiddle. Um, uh, Henry something. Um, oh, Henry. Yeah, yeah, it was like Ask Henry or... Tell Henry. Tell Henry. Tell Henry. Tell Henry. Henry! Okay. You going to do more animal impersonations? No. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get to uh, let's get to our guest who's been patiently uh, tweeting and doing stuff uh, on online, and we will do that. That is, by the way, Kelly Nichols from uh, Mom's Clean Air Force. We'll get to her in just a second. Now, some of you have plants growing in your yards that started some four hundred to five hundred million years ago. Well, not exactly those particular plants, but the kind of plant. I'm talking about moss, which is featured in the September-October issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. And before you ask, how do I kill it? May I remind you that moss stays green, doesn't need mowing, rarely gets diseases, and is as tough as nails, which makes me ask, what's your problem? Which is the same question that I get asked when most people read my column on the inside back page of each issue. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state -state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. But if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. Food Tank is excited to announce the inaugural Food Tank Summit in Chicago on November 16th at the Gleacher Center. More than 30 different speakers from the food and agriculture field, including researchers, farmers, chefs, policymakers, government officials, and students, will come together for interactive panels moderated by top food journalists. Then after the summit, join Food Tank for a reception and dinner at Chef Mario Batali's Italy. 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 The Mike Novak Show is proud to be a media sponsor of the event. So you can learn more and buy your tickets at foodtanksummit.com. And Mike Novak Show listeners get $50 off with the code what? Mike. $50, $50 off with the code 
Mike. All right, so do it today. Spending more time at home these days? Give yourself some room. Renovate your basement or attic. You'll increase your living space and your home's resale value, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling needs, including additions, renovations, and other home improvements. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. This is Suzanne Malik McKenna for Chicago Wilderness. When you think of our region, wilderness may not be the first thing that comes to mind. Did you know this area is home to more than half a million acres of protected nature with thousands of plants and animal species? Our local native wildlife needs your help. Now is the time. 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to get support for these critical species and their habitats. Sponsor one today. Meet the species at chicagowilderness.org splash species. Flash. Flash. I kind of like that. Ah. Why get up? Why get up? How can I get up? Why should I get up? This whole world's gone crazy. Think I've been seeing it up. I'm on a steep forever. Why get up? Keep rankin', rankin'. See? This is the theme song of the Cub fans this morning. <laughs> Why get up? It's my usual Monday morning theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Fabulous Thunderbirds. The going gets rough, so I ask myself. Why get up? All right. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM, Q4.org. Uh, I haven't yet. I've been meaning to go. Oops, sorry. Don't don't touch my banana. So, <laughs> no, it's literally. I got a banana here. Good morning, Kelly. <laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. <laughs> I can be witness to that. All right, all right. Banana. Yeah, right. It was it's the, not a the, metaphorical actually, banana. It's, it's, really, a it's literal really. Banana. And it's only about a third of a banana left. Right. Oh, He's been man. working on that thing for the last hour. <laughs> it takes me. It does. It takes me like an hour to eat a banana because I'm I'm doing all kinds of other that was stuff like here. That woman yesterday who like took the banana peel and you go, no, 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 you don't have to take that banana peel. But she composted it for you. Hey, so look at good. this. I went to the the chat room. Uh, on the Facebook page, if you go to the Mike Novak Show and you click the Listen Live on the left side of the screen, there, it takes you to a chat room. Annie Haven. Good old Annie. Not only is she tweeting, but she's in the chat room. 
So I'm going to have to uh, answer her in the chat room. We'll do that. Uh, and by the way, she wrote a very interesting tweet about cover crops because uh, you might have heard Matt Ryan talking about cover crops. She said, uh, lima beans were always the preferred cover crop in Southern California. Then they built houses, farmed us out. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I know getting farmed out, but I don't know what that has. You know, building the houses, what does that have to do with lima beans? But at any rate, but better, you know, lima beans as a cover crop than on your kitchen table, if you ask me. Or on my plate. That's what I meant. Uh, Kelly Nichols, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's so nice to have you here. And uh, she's the Illinois field organizer for Mom's Clean Air Force. Yes. I had not heard of Mom's Clean Air Force until I met you last month at uh, that uh, town hall mm-hmm. put, about, put on by the Illinois Environmental Council. Um, and you were terrific, Thank by the you. way. You gave a very, you're very energetic. You're very <laughs> engaged. And you were going to bring your kids, but you didn't even bring them today. You... I sure didn't. Boy, I, I wish that they would sleep in. They've been up since five. They're probably already ready for like a little time on the couch with some books. Because, They're going to uh... <laughs> sleep forever. <laughs> That's right. Why get up? I wish they'd listen to that song and learn a little from it. Um, they will when they're teenagers. Oh, my gosh. When did, I hope that comes. Well, no one, you should never wish your children's lives away. But <laughs> I just would wish an hour away every morning to get a tiny bit more sleep. Uh, you know, uh, the joys of parenting, huh? Uh, but, you know, but that's, that's the whole point of the organization, yep. too. I mean, um, you think about moms out there um, who are concerned about their kids' welfare and their future. Yep. Uh, and some of those moms, like you, take <laughs> action. Not, they, 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 not, not only are they taking care of their kids, then in their free time, they're organizing <laughs> and they're, they're making a difference, really. And, and it sounds like uh, that's I hope what so. mom... Well, you know, there you were speaking at a forum... Uh, on a weekday, you know, in the evening, as I told the audience, there was like 50 people in the audience. And uh, I said, uh, you, we have to applaud you guys in the audience because you're sitting to a bunch of environmental policy wonks here on a weeknight when you could be home doing almost anything else. Yeah. But I got to say the same thing for you because there you were as a mom. You got a mom, you got kids. Yeah. And you're studying these issues. And you gave a really interesting talk about um, energy policy. In- yeah. You know, and it's funny if you'd asked me two years ago what all of this stuff was or what it meant or what the implications of it were, I would be like, I don't know. I just want to save the world. You know, like I had no, <laughs> I had no basis of knowledge about any of the components of this. And it has been, um, at first it was really daunting, but after having sort of, I initially started with Moms Cleaner Force by volunteering with them and just kind of showing up at events and press conferences and, um, the you start art, to absorb that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, you also our, have to research it, but you also, when yeah. you just listen to people, right? And I've always liked, uh, uh, my dad is a logical guy and he's always really kind of pushed us into like the science world. So I think I think in a logical way. And when you start to really think about this stuff, it does make sense, which mm-hmm. is then then you start to get a little irritated because you think, well, why can't everybody understand how much sense this makes? But I guess that's part of 
what the advocacy education part of our organization does is just make it make sense to people that don't kind of live in this world. Mm -hmm. So the way I approach it is, you know, I used to worry that I'm too, I was too me for presentations like that because like I was telling you before, yeah, like my background's in theater and I'll never be able to. Which I love by the way. Now (laughs) you said in New York. Yeah. I lived and worked in New York for about, um, 13 years, a little over 13 years before I moved to Illinois a few years ago. Uh, wow. Because, yeah. you know, I've done theater most of my adult life. I haven't <laughs> done a whole lot of it lately because I kind of made the transition to radio. But, uh, you know, I love talking theater with yeah. the theater folks. Yeah. And for me, I did stand-up comedy. I did musical really? theater. Yeah, I did children's theater. That's one theater. thing I never d- – I mean, now, I, this is – radio is kind of stand-up now comedy. Now you're doing sit-down comedy. I'm doing sit-down comedy. <laughs> right. Hey, don't touch my banana. Ba-dum-bum. Thank you. Uh <laughs> But uh, I would never try to do stand-up. Uh, that's just – it doesn't seem in the cards for me. I don't think I'm that funny. You know, I'm, I can't just command the stage and make people laugh, oh. although I do some of that. You know, it's weird because I, I, need, I need my uh, point of reference, which is the environment, gardening, and that sort of thing. I can make that funny, but just to stand up and I'm going to comment on life and make people laugh. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Well. I feel like I was in a, a good place to do that. And then once I stopped doing stand-up comedy, because it really is a hustle. Like, you have to really want yeah. to do it. Well, to like be, anything. anything's yeah, well, sure, Come on. Sure. Anything's a hustle. If you're going to succeed I, at it. Some of my friends who are now on TV and have their own shows and stuff like that, like, they would be out all night. And at the time, like, I had no money, so I had to have a day job. I mean, they're like, we all make choices. So that was my yeah. choice. And yeah. I don't mind, because if I had done more in that world, it may not have led me to this world of advocacy and environmentalism. And I think that... Um, my kids were a little bit of the breaking point when they were born. I started to, I was home a lot, like any new mom and I was worried and I felt pretty lonely and I was thinking a lot about the environment and, you know, I got scared. There was a lot of really scary stuff coming about climate change, like fast and furious at that time. Um, my kids were born in 2012 and so, um, (laughs) which is so long ago, so long ago. Uh, but it feels like, um, that's even that's post Al Gore. Come on. Right. I feel like I saw an inconvenient truth. I know. But I stumbled on Moms Clean Air Force website because I was like Googling like hope and climate change. Really? Yeah, because I was scared oh and lonely my gosh. in I'm, my house. Wait, wait, wait. I'm Googling. Oh, let's see here. Hopey, changey. Uh, let's see what comes up. <laughs> I was like, how can I stop the postpartum fear stop? Let's see. I'm going to Google. I want to Google positive climate change. And actually, Moms Clean Air Force came up. Wow. And I was able to see... Um, the easy ways to take advocacy. We have a little colloquialism that we use called nap time advocacy, which is how I started when my kids were asleep. I'd go online and sign a billion petitions or connect in a different way. And it not only made me feel like I was making a difference, but for a person who was home with her kids, it made me feel like I was part of a community that was working on the same problem, that I wasn't just sitting home alone, worried and not feeling like anybody else was trying to save the world. And it felt like being part of a community and at, for Moms Clean Air Force, like that community has grown to over 900,000 people nationwide. In the organization? Yep. And Holy smokes. Yeah. And in Illinois, there's, um, I think, a little bit over 40,000 people that are members. And, and I... And I- I had not heard of it. Well, and you got nine hundred. You got almost a million people in it. I know, and we have a um, a lot of people that follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and stuff. Uh, really like to work on the same issues of air quality and children's health that we do, and that's our primary focus. I mean, I know the environment. The environment's a big place, but our primary focus is on air quality 
and children's health. Um, sometimes we work on issues like toxic chemicals and sure. things like that. But um, but you, you, sometimes you just need to have that focus. Yeah, because, because you it, can't it, do everything. Well, that's my problem. That's the problem I get into here on this show because we, we'll cover just about <laughs> anything if it's interesting and it and we think it might be doing some good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I feel like um, somebody had said recently, if you want something done, give it to a busy mom. And that's true. I think a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just... there, that's a, that's a tweet. <laughs> Right there, Peggy. I I'm, think that's going to end up on Twitter. If oh, good. If you want something done, give it to a busy mom. Yeah, to do. Yeah, and it's true. My boss says that all the time. The founder of our organization, Dominique Browning, um, she said she said um, the other day on a call, she said, well, I've always said if you want something done, give it to a busy mom. And it's, it's true. We all try to manage everything. And I think that's part of why it feels like moms um, are part of such a great natural allied group to fight for the planet, to fight for clean air. I want to ask you, um, back up just a second, mm-hmm. you, you you said one of the first things you started to do was signing petitions. Does it work? Does, does that do any good? You guys must have does. a philosophy on that. You know, I, I feel like there have been times where we are able to present a visualization. You know, we ended up in the news doing it here locally in Illinois when we presented a massive amount of petitions to Governor Rauner about um, some stuff we were working on here. I think when you can visualize and when you can quantify how many people have signed a petition and show up at the door of an elected official or, or a legislator or somebody who's the head of something like the EPA or something like that, then you can say, look at all of these people who care about this, who want this to change. You can't deny this number you can't deny this interest in this topic you know and and we also make visits with um kids that have asthma people that are suffering from lung issues that are affected by healthy air and what we've found and what we've the feedback we've always gotten from whenever we speak to people about this is that the personal stories of people that are going through issues related to air quality and health are the people that can make a difference in the mind of elected officials or committees or, or, or councils or whatever, because these are the people who are on the front lines who are suffering the problems. Like one of our super moms, super volunteers, she's not yet a mom, but, um, and you don't have <laughs> wait, to be wait, a mom wait, wait. to be that part of our organization. No, I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. Listen, everybody has a mom. And if you don't have a mom, at least you breathe. <laughs> so you, you qualify. Those are the two, those are the two qualifiers. Um, you just have to breathe air. I think that's pretty much everybody, but anaerobic bacteria. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we have one of our super volunteers who is like, she's so, she's a little 18 year old girl. And I say little because literally she's like five feet tall. She weighs maybe 95 pounds soaking wet. And she came to DC with us and told her story to the OMB board who was making a decision on the smog and ozone levels. And she told the story in the way that only 18 year olds can tell a story very blithely um, about the six medications she takes every week to just survive with her asthma living in the city of Chicago. And these guys who listen to stories on both sides from industry, from environmental people all day long, like literally for eight hours a day, put their devices down or their pens down and they leaned forward and they listened to her and they watched her. And you can just see that, you know, when it's all in the ephemera of policy, just floating in the air, sometimes you can't attach to it. But when you hear a personal story, when you hear a mom say, I have to lay next to my child at night to make sure they're still breathing, um, because they suffer from severe asthma, like one of our other super moms does down in Pekin, um, it's, it's, it makes the problem a really real problem, and it makes the solution much more urgent and dire. Uh, that is uh, Kelly Nichols, 
who is the Illinois field organizer for Moms Clean Air Force. What's that? If you need a problem solved, give it to a mom? Give it give to a busy, busy mom. mom. Give it to a busy mom. That's right. Give it to a and busy mom. And they're all busy. And they're all busy. Of course. There's no yeah. such thing as not a busy mom. <laughs> wow. Uh, and, you know, your talents from uh, your, your stand-up days and your mm-hmm. theater days obviously serve you well. Because you're Thank very you. engaging and, you know, you make me put down my device here. <laughs> your banana. I my made ba- you put your banana down. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to go down that road. I was going to try to. You're not going to live that one down, Mike. No. <laughs> he, put a, he put it right down, guys. He put his banana directly down and was listening. Excuse me while I put down my banana. <laughs> this is a banana put down moment. <laughs> uh, let's get to, to some of those specifics. Uh, yes. You were talking about. Well, give me a like a uh, the elevator version of the talk you gave to the Illinois uh, Environmental Council town hall. Oh boy! Um, Do you, you don't remember? It's been so long now. <laughs> it's but there's been many other things that have happened. I've had many other All right, ban- well, well, if, moments, if, if, but if, I do if not remember. That, uh, you know what's what's foremost on your mind? Well, you know what we were talking about that night. What I was talking about is America's Clean Power Plan, which is currently under a stay by the Supreme Court on a national level here in, in the U.S. Um, it's currently the only the only program that has been suggested to control carbon emissions in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was put under a stay a week before Justice Scalia died in the Supreme Court. And on, I think it was September 27th, um, oral arguments started in Washington, D.C., uh, in the D.C. Circuit Court on the Clean Power Plan and the legality of it and the enforceability of it. And um, it's... It was a, a a lot of conversation, and um, we're we're still hearing um, how we can progress towards the outcome of all of this. And our focus, of course, um, like the rest of the world, for the last month and a half or more, has been primarily on the election and, and making sure that moms and others and all get out and make sure that their voice is heard. And because we don't have a functioning Supreme Court right now, sure. and that's a huge deal. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about how we will not because and if or if mm-hmm. you know, there's been a lot of threats about what's going to happen. Oh yeah, the, you know, even years. even if uh, Hillary wins, uh, there, 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 there's going to be people blocking things. Sure, it's, it's, sure, you know. The obstructionist nature of the current situation in our government has made it more more than frustrating to work in this environment um, of, env- of environmental work. It's been super frustrating because there's a lot of really great policy that's coming up both on a national and state level, and it's just getting either missed because of other issues going on, especially here on a state level. There's plenty of other stuff that's happening in the government before we get to issues like the environment, um, justifiably. But at the same time, you look at the source of the problems and you think, gosh, I just wish we could get through this so we could get to to making real progress. So the last few yeah, months... We don't, we don't even pretend... <laughs> to address issues anymore in this country it's it's all it's about true. it's all about posturing yeah. now there's yeah. there, let yeah get something done are you kidding yeah that's 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 old school that's old politics so based on what i just said clearly we need to elect a ton of busy moms no i'm just kidding <laughs> no, um, I, no. I agree i think that would be a good you know the, part of, knows. no 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 i'm gonna i'll tell you right now if we had more women in office we would have fewer problems you think period so? period Really? Right. That's I'm a ding sorry. from Peggy. I like Thank it. you, Peggy. Um, I... You know, I feel like if we just said people that were willing to make a, a difference or make a change, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to do it, but everybody's being stifled by what's going on. But that's part of what we're talking about. And there's a lot of um, a lot of 
negativity surrounding this election, especially on the presidential level, because nobody's happy with anything, which I understand. There's problems with all of the policies that are in play. But what thing that we're reminding people of is the importance of getting out to vote is critical, not just for the presidential election, but because of all the downstream elections mm-hmm. that more directly affect your actual life. What blows my mind this time of year Exactly. Thank you. Is that people sit and think that the only important election is the presidential election. Those guys are great. And they do a lot of really rad, rad stuff. If you look at <laughs> historically, a lot of good stuff has come from the presidency. But the people that are connected to our local laws and our local policies impact our day-to-day life ten, a bajillion, billion times more. So why would you not educate yourself and go vote for those people? Even if you're sad and scared about the president, you know? You have to. I think people, in part, find it overwhelming. It's yeah. too much work. You, you drive down the road and you see all these signs for this person, this person, this person, and it's like, who are they? Sure. You well, don't and for hear me, anything about them. For me, I have my issue. Environment's my wheelhouse. I mm-hmm. like that. So I go on, our organization doesn't endorse any candidates because we are a nonprofit. Um, so I tend to go and use the League of Conservation Voters website because mm-hmm. they do a scorecard of all the environmental scorecard yeah. of a lot of different candidates, even on a more local level. Um, and I just, it literally, I mean, like people are like, oh, it takes a long, it literally takes 15 minutes on the internet, which generally you're carrying around in your pocket 99% of the time. And you're looking at junk. Yeah. So you might as well take that 15 <laughs> minutes and just do a little Tiny, basic. Just a teeny one. <laughs> yeah, really. Just a little basic research. And I love the idea. And Peggy's uh, tweeting it, I think, right now, a League of Conservation Voters. And yeah. I think they have a Twitter handle. Of course they have a Twitter handle. But there are one of the organizations that talks about this stuff and if your issue is guns or children or family medical leave there's a ton of websites that outline all of people's policy points on that especially yeah. on a more le- a national level which i feel like it's it's no excuse for anyone who carries a computer around in their hand to be ignorant in this day and age there's I, no excuse so, i think though with a lot of people from the mom that was in my yeah. mom voice did you hear that yeah, she, yes, that you, was, she was looking straight at me <laughs> she was looking sternly put your banana down and listen to me there is no excuse to be ignorant <laughs> Uh, well, what if I want to be? Then right. you get to live with the decisions that I make in the voting booth. Exactly. But... And that's the way it works. Yeah. If you don't show up, those are my decisions uh-huh. then. See you wouldn't want to be you. Yeah, man. Good <laughs> luck. I showed up. You know, one of the issues I, I, I was, oh, by the way, you can, uh, two things. That's Kelly Nichols uh, from Moms Clean Air Force. And you can go to momscleanairforce.org mm-hmm. and see a whole bunch of issues up there. One of the ones that caught my eye, and I couldn't believe it was up there okay. because of the things I talk about on this show. No, I mean it in a good way. Okay. Leaf blowers and our children's health. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe somebody is talking about leaf blowers, which oh. are the bane of my existence. Oh, man. I and hate just leaf so blowers. I do, too, with <laughs> a passion. the minutes until so winter. They're noisy. They're stinky. They they're pollute the air. It's awful. So stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and realize that it has a lot to do with uh, the the gasoline that's mm-hmm. burned, 1.2 billion gallons of gas are burned in lawn and garden equipment in the United States yeah. annually, and it's yeah. not regulated in the same way that autos are. There are no cat. Well, actually, there are on some lawnmowers, like in California, there are catalytic converters. Mm-hmm. However, the lawnmower companies fight that, sure, so that because they don't want to add to the cost of it, they just want you, you know. And I've got my little electric mower which you know will cut my yard but 
pretty and much I've got run. My little battery operated mower. Yeah, that's what, oh, that's, that's nice. what I meant. My yeah, yeah I've got battery operated. We used it. to have an actual legitimate push mower that my mm-hmm. husband, looked which like is really the best. Out of the 40s. I had one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> it because, does a really good job. Well, if you and, keep your grass, if you keep on top of your grass, you got to keep really on top of it. But the other thing, well, about they made them more efficient. Yes. They're better designed now. The yeah. push mowers, so it's not. These are not your your grandfather's push mowers. Okay, no, these are lightweight and efficient, and they do the job. But I was so happy to see you guys railing against leaf blowers. This is great. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful resources on that website. There's a lot of articles that are written on our blog. There's a lot of quick FAQs on a lot of the issues that we cover. Um, asthma is huge. A lot of what we talk about is asthma and the implications of air quality and asthma. And um, also, America's Clean Power Plan, our voting pledge is on there, which we're really pushing right now to make sure people remember climate at the polls, um, if that's important and, to you. And, and you, know, talking, you were talking about what blows you away and makes your head explode mm-hmm. uh, the, if you watch the debates. And I really didn't want I, – I, I, I couldn't make myself watch all of it. I couldn't either. Yeah, I it was really either. hard. Uh, but uh, reading about the coverage afterward, not one question asked about climate change. Not no. not one. And that's not the candidate's fault. Right. That's the moderator's, the moderator's fault. fault. So mm-hmm. take all of those stupid moderators, and I don't care if you thought Martha Raddatz did a good job. She did not ask about climate change, mm-hmm. okay? I don't care what you think about Wallace. He did not ask about climate change or uh, Anderson Lester, Cooper yeah. or Lester Holt yeah. or what's her name from CBS, the uh, the vice president. But is it the moderators or is it the network that just says you're not going to talk about? Well, that. I mean, who knows? It doesn't yeah. matter. But, yeah. it, it but I, I'm, I'm going to blame the moderators because yeah. they're the people there, yeah. you know. And, and and they and I think they get to put their own. They don't. Yeah, I don't know if they're afraid. They're just. They're going with the flow, and in the flow is bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's lots of flotsam and jetsam in the yeah. flow right now. <laughs> the the founder flow. of our organization, uh, Dominique Browning, wrote a great post about that on our website, too, about just how appalling it was that not in three entirely whole, no. long... Four. Four. Oh, if you there count four. the vice presidential. I didn't, I didn't count that one. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you got to count it. you got to count four that one, too. Four debates. No one asked, no one breathed a question about, about climate change. Her post is really powerful. It just went out as an email to our members, but I felt like, yeah, I read it, and I was like, yeah. And it just makes you so angry. We talk about it here because my meteorologist, who's not with us today, Rick DeMaio, um, talk, has been talking about it every week. Yeah. And he will say, yeah, another debate. Uh, again, no questions asked about climate change. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's the defining issue of our age. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the fate of humanity. But we don't have time because we need to ask about somebody's emails. One more time. Or, one more time about the emails. Yeah, one more time about the emails. <laughs> and, and the elephant is so big. Yeah. Yeah. That the uproar after the debates was 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 big too, and which makes you think that you would have thought that it would have been a mainstream enough uh, conversation point that they would have brought it up at least once. Yeah, but they did not. So yeah, all right. And, uh, and I was just going to also bring up when I was reading your blog. Um, <laughs> sorry, no problem. The fact that you guys are also covering Standing Rock protests now. Yeah, we are. We yes. I think we had an interview with um, Casey Kampornak. Yes, and um, she talked about the Standing Rock protest. And uh, when I was I was in Houston the week before last for a conference, and I got to be part of a march about the Standing Rock protest. And also, there's a pipeline in Texas called the Trans Pecos. TPPP Trans Pecos Pipeline TPP any anyway it has the right letters for the acronym but it's the Trans Pecos Pipeline that's also a concern and we were um, 
we were, we did a march in Houston while mm-hmm. I was down there. I was like conference and the conference was amazing. I learned so much. And then the leader of the conference would do these things that she would call bio breaks where we could go to the bathroom or stretch yes. or whatever. And that bio break was a, a, an action where we all marched the streets of Houston and, and fought about, um, the fact that water is life and we have to protect yeah. our kids, you know? And, and it said bringing it home to the level again of parents yeah. and kids that this isn't just something in Texas or something in South Dakota. Sure. But this is affecting your kids. That pipeline will end in Illinois. Mm-hmm. That that pipeline will come to us. Like yes. many oh, you mean the uh, Dakota Access? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends, I mean, you know, it's got to cross not only the Missouri but the Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, and, and others. And yep, right here, our state. Yay, go Illinois! Well, and a lot of people sit in Illinois and think, oh, it's great. Especially up where I live on the North Shore, people are paying a bajillion, billion dollars in property taxes, and they think that that buys them clean air. But they don't understand that. We've had failing grades in Lake County for air quality the last two cycles of the American Lung Association's State of the Air Report. And that's for ozone in, Lake in County. particular. Yeah. And, and, I, and I imagine, Peggy, the people in Lake County think they have really <laughs> clean air, don't they? Especially the ones in a couple suburbs, I can think sure, of. Yeah, exactly. Sure. They think they're doing great. I'm uh, sure. I the, was told by a man that he drove a Prius and he didn't need to sign my, my pledge, my petition, yes. because he's doing all he needs we to do. We have Teslas. Are yes. you serious? <laughs> yeah, sure. People walk around feeling like they have done enough, and that's the well, part that makes and, me so sad. And you can't see it because you're not seeing a power plant. You're sure. not seeing smog. The air must be clean. Yeah. Sure. But Science closed. Yeah, right. right? So However, the clean. literally 20 miles north of where I live, is the Waukegan coal-fired power mm-hmm. plant. The way that the um, geography of Illinois is set up, we're like a hot bowl. All of that air gets pushed yeah. down here. We all breathe it in. Well, especially the way the lake curves mm-hmm. around a couple of those suburbs, it catches it all. Yeah, and I just read an, a report recently about as climate change increases, the air will stagnate more, which means the stuff that we need to blow all this weather out. Mm-hmm. We'll is use not leaf blowers. Oh well, that'll, that'll that's do a it. Great that, idea. That's all the see? problem. That's God. Aren't you, you glad guys, we came? You back better to tweet that because we just solved the problem. Oh my gosh! Who said the policy can't be made on a Sunday morning uh, in a radio studio with a with a banana? With a banana. With a banana. It was with like banana. our peace banana. We worked it out. I like it. Uh, all right, Kelly. You know we could. You're you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. You you you're good, and you and you you fill up a half hour very quickly. Oh, well, that's sweet of you. That's what my children say. <laughs> I know. Well, I bet you're a good storyteller too. I might be. I yeah. might be. Um, and you can go to uh, mom's. Clean Air Force on Facebook, uh, the website momscleanairforce.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a Twitter handle? We do. It's at Clean Air Moms is the whole Moms Clean Air Force organization. But I, in Illinois, am at Clean Air Moms underscore I-L. So oh, I didn't know. Oh, you've got, it. you got it in there. You tweeted that. Very good, Peggy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you just let us know the next time uh, you want to stop by. and Awesome. You know, that'd be fun. Yeah. And don't forget to vote. Early voting starts tomorrow in Lake County. That's I know where true. I, live, I was, so. you know what I was doing just a couple of days ago, I was online looking at the judges. Yeah. yeah that's a good, know, those you, people who decide the policy. I, I'm, I, you know what? I, I vote smart on the judges. And if I can get enough, uh, organizations to say, say no on this one, I vote no, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because so few people pay attention, yeah. any no vote is, has a lot of uh, influence. When I, I was think. in my early 20s, I used to look at people's names, and that's how I would make decisions voting. That's back before I had my handheld computer. <laughs> but now I Before can you my... became a smart mom. That's right, with my smartphone. All right. Uh, Kelly Nichols, thank you so much. We will do this again as soon as we possibly can. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you followed me over the years, you know that my background is not horticulture or environmental science or even political theory. It's 
showbiz, as we found out with Kelly Nichols here. And at this time of year, I go back to my showbiz roots to promote my caroling group, the Frozen Robins. Yes, that is the name of the group. And here is a little sample of our work. Won't you guide my slave And that's kind of a schmedley of our work. If you're looking at schmedley, yes, wait, the, you've never heard schmedley before? No, I've never heard schmedley. Okay. If you're looking for even Hard Rock Coco and Joe. Uh, if you're looking for a bunch of entertainment pros to add some fun to your holiday event, write to me, Mike, at MikeNovak.net about the Frozen Robins, or contact me on any of my social media outlets. We'd love to be the hit of your season. And when we come back on the Mike Novak Show, uh, Deborah Shore from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. So... Stick around for that. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak.
cheap trick. Come on. I've, been, I've never been a Cheap Trick fan. So really? I, no. Oh, man. I love Cheap Trick. Okay. Well, then, I'm going to play a lot of them on okay. the show. I'm going to play it every week now. Since, <laughs> that's okay. I've uh, just never been a Cheap Trick fan. Uh, that's okay. It's 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 allowed. That's that's just fine. I have to ask Deborah Shore, are you a Cheap Trick fan? Not especially. Oh. <laughs> that's okay, too. That's fine. But the, the new Nobel laureate for literature? Ah, uh, yeah. there you go. And that's that's interesting because the whole Bob Dylan thing is very controversial now, too. So yeah. People saying, uh, where did I read somebody said, he's no Saul Bellow. I'm like, okay. yeah. And nobody can even find him. I know. That's the other thing. He's not answering. He's missing. He's, he's gone AWOL. Uh, he's, he's probably not going to show up at the event. Uh, this is just, that's. That's Dylan. That's just too funny. It's it's great stuff. Deborah Shore is in the studio. She's commissioner for the Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. So good to have you back here. Thank you, Mike. I always enjoy being with you. I always enjoy having you come down, and I and I appreciate appreciate the fact that you do. You know, you you show up here in in at Pirate Radio and. Uh, I was talking earlier in the show, the, the last time you were here was two days before I ended up uh, in the hospital for nine days. And that was just weird uh, to go back and see that. But we were talking about an issue that is still out there. And, and, and that's the thing about policy. Sometimes the wheels of policy grind slowly, don't they? You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes decades uh, sometimes years, sometimes decades, sometimes a few months, sometimes whatever. But uh, this is uh, a policy that makes a lot of sense. I was doing some research as I was writing the blog about this. And the idea is that Cook County wants to pass a law uh, that regulates the disposal of pharmaceuticals. Now, obviously, we need to to do that because they end up in the water supply. I found an article that was written I believe in in June, where you're quoted, and this is um, uh, hilarious. Was- oh no! Here, salmon in Puget Sound would not pass a drug test. <laughs> that is that is very funny and kind of sad at the same time, isn't it? And I heard that directly from a person in Seattle who works in the water and wastewater arena. Uh, the fact is that fish in many places, including Chicago's North Shore Channel and the Chicago River. Uh, Specimens taken from there have shown minute amounts of pharmaceuticals uh, in their skin and in the fish. And that's because whatever's flushed down the toilet and often thrown out in landfill ends up coming into the sewage plants where we cannot remove these minute amounts of drugs uh, that come into the plant. So we can measure them, but we can't remove them. All right. But even that's uh, kind of controversial because the the question is how much harm can be done by minute quantities of pharmaceuticals. Are, are We're talking, what, parts per million, parts per billion? What parts are we talking? Parts per billion. Per billion, right. All right. And some folks say, well, yeah, you really don't have to worry about that because it's parts per billion. Do we have to worry about that? There's no evidence yet that these 
minute amounts of pharmaceuticals pose a risk to human health. But remember, fish and other aquatic species live in the water 24-7. They're exposed to this complex stew of drugs that is not uh, common in nature. It's not normal in nature. And some studies are beginning to show detrimental effects on aquatic life, on fish that exposed to what are called endocrine disruptors, which are right. hormones from birth control pills, from Viagra, from uh, cancer treatments. Uh, and there are and, endocrine disruptors also in some of the pesticides we yep. use. You know, you, yep. you've got that right. as well. So we're it's this unholy stew of things that we're putting into our water. That's right. And some of these studies are showing what they call feminization of fish, where their uh, sexual organs are both male and female, or, again, are not normal. Let's clarify something at the outset here. You work for the MWRD, Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, and it, that is about, it's, it's not supplying the drinking water to the city. It is, um, you're, you're tasked with cleaning the water that we, we dump into our our waterways. Is that correct? Would you clarify that for us? Right. The goal of the Water Reclamation District is twofold, to protect the drinking water supply for Chicago and Cook County by keeping sewage out of the lake. So the district owns and operates seven sewage treatment plants around the county to treat uh, wastewater and some stormwater. And the district also has responsibility for managing stormwater throughout Cook County. And so we're like a hospital. We get the stuff after it's traveled all the way, uh, and we're the end point. And you don't really want to go to a hospital, as you can testify. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't want to be there. And so, for instance, the the Water Reclamation District has what we call a pre-treatment program to work with industries that use heavy metals and other harmful chemicals to keep them out of the waste stream so that they're treating those at their factory site and not even sending it to the sewage plants. Mm -hmm. This collection program that's being proposed for people to dispose of their unused or expired medicine is akin to a residential pre-treatment program. Let's tackle it at the source, which is the home medicine cabinet, and keep it out of the waste stream. Mm -hmm. And as you said, some of um, our water goes into Lake Michigan, but a lot of it goes into the Chicago River and and is actually diverted away from the city. But in that case, I guess MWRD is being a good citizen because there are other cities and towns along the way that have to use this water. Right. We do not put the treated wastewater back into Lake Michigan. And in fact, studies of Chicago's drinking water have shown fewer quantities of these pharmaceuticals than many other big cities. And then that may be the reason that we put our wastewater downstream, but it goes into someone else's drinking water. Mm -hmm. And I believe we have an obligation to be careful stewards, and to treat our water as best we can. All right, so there we have sort of an explanation of MWRD and, and, and the problem. So uh, there are other uh, municipalities in the country, notably in California, uh, who have been passing these kinds of laws. Uh, some of them have gone to court. 
Uh, I guess the California Supreme Court declined to hear an argument on one of those recently. Um, but in Illinois, how did this process, or in Cook County, actually, how did this process start? So uh, this is something I've been working on for a number of years and had talked to Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart some years ago and explained that this was a problem. And he initiated a program to collect unused or expired medicine at suburban courthouses, at the county building, and now his department is working with some suburbs and their police departments to promote collection programs. In northern Cook County, the Solid Waste Agency of Northern Cook County has a drug take-back program, and in, in Chicago there are collection boxes in police stations, but we mapped where the current collection sites are And there are huge deserts in the southern and southwestern part of Cook County where there are very few readily accessible places for people to take their unused or expired meds. And access to safe disposal boxes should not be determined by your zip code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, as a lot of things shouldn't be determined by that. We all know about redlining. So this was taken up by the Cook County Board, and, and, and they're looking at it. They've been looking at it, obviously, for months. What is it? And it sounds like a really practical law. You said it's modeled on uh, a program already being done. That program you're talking about, the sheriff's program? Right. What's being proposed in Cook County differs somewhat from what has been adopted in California and Washington State in that we have an existing program. And what we're proposing is that that be expanded to address the inequitable and unfair distribution of collection sites, but under the supervision of the Cook County Sheriff, but also survey research both in Cook County and elsewhere shows that people would prefer to dispose of their unused drugs at pharmacies. That's their number one choice and not yeah, at police Exactly. Stations. You know, that's that was one of the things I was reading about. Is that there are people, and I understand completely, who are uncomfortable with walking into a police station right. with for any reason at all, and, and I, I can't blame them. So, yeah, it would be better if there were pharmacies that would do this. And uh, from what oh, – <laughs> Hold up the map when when. Uh, I can't see you over it, Deborah. Uh, 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 just a little, little lower. There you go. Um, uh, Peggy's doing a little photo op here, and and Deborah being a, holding up the map. A wonderful politician is holding up, doing us, giving us a visual aid here. So, have the uh, pharmacies uh, gotten on board with this plan? Are they uh, into it? So Walgreens, to its credit, has announced its own take-back program nationwide where they're installing collection boxes, but only in the pharmacies that have a Mm 24-hour pharmacist on duty. And so that limits the number dramatically. We think that uh, many more pharmacies would participate on a voluntary basis if there were a mechanism to pay for the costs of collection and disposal. And this ordinance that's been introduced before the Cook County Board would eventually provide a mechanism for that. However, it has to be paid for. And uh, you or this ordinance uh, would put that uh, on the pharmaceutical industry. And from what I've read, uh, it, it doesn't seem like a lot, like it's a penny per uh, medication to, to pay for this or something like that. That's what I read. 
Well, the estimates in other jurisdictions are that it's a penny for every $10 of a prescription. Okay. Uh, but this ordinance prohibits, and I want to stress that, it prohibits pharmaceutical manufacturers from adding to the costs of drugs the costs of paying for a collection. Well, yeah, program. that's that's the the worry is that uh, that you know we have this law and then the cost of pharmaceuticals go up, and how they could actually go up even higher is kind of beyond me at the moment. Given how we're gouged already by the pharmaceutical industry, that's me They'll talking. Find but, a way, <laughs> but um, yeah, and and. and from what I understand, that's kind of been one of the roadblocks on this, is getting the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. on board. It has been, Mike, but there have been many discussions with a lot of interested parties, and I believe that the uh, measure that is going to be heard in committee on Tuesday of this week uh, represents a compromise that uh, will promote an excellent program uh, The fee will not be embedded in the initial ordinance, but will remain to be determined based on looking at what the actual costs of the program are. So initially, the Cook County Sheriff will expand the program. I'm happy to say, I'm proud to say, that the Water Reclamation District uh, allocated $100,000 in this budget year to help with expansion of the program. We entered into an intergovernmental agreement with the Sheriff and my Hope will be, and I'll be working towards an allocation in 2017 budget as well. So there's some support to expand the program. We need to see how it works and then take a look at what the actual costs are before any fees are assessed. Okay. So where are we? You say there's a, a vote on Tuesday. What uh, is that a committee vote? It is. It's going to be heard in the legislative committee uh, Tuesday afternoon, I believe at 1 o'clock. And I should add that this measure has received widespread support throughout Cook County from the Illinois AARP that has 500,000 members in Cook County, from South Suburban Mayors and Managers, from the conservation and environmental community, from the public health community and substance abuse community. 24 suburban police chiefs signed a letter in support because they see this, as we all do, as a key public safety measure. When people don't know what to do with their unused or expired medicine, they accumulate at home and thus become a risk to seniors Mm -hmm. who may accidentally mix compounds, to teens and young adults who rifle through medicine cabinets. So giving people a readily accessible safe way to dispose of their expired meds is a key public safety measure. Uh, let me interject from my own experience this year uh, how important, and, and you know, little did I realize on April 10th when you came in that I would have firsthand knowledge of this. When I got out of the hospital, I had this laundry list of medications to take. Uh, you know, this one once a day, this one twice a day, you know, uh, and you had to keep track of all of them. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not a clueless person in some regards, and neither is Kathleen. And we had to work really hard to make sure we got this right. And I thought, what if you're a little bit addled, you know, you're um, whatever, you're under stress or something. You don't read English well. You don't read English well. Uh, there's all these things that can happen, and then you're taking the wrong uh, dosage or uh, whatever, or mixing the wrong medications. This is so easy to have happen. Um, and 
one of the things I found out was getting out of the hospital, they said, okay, you need to take this, 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 and it's on this list, this printout that they gave me. And then you get the medication, and it reads something different on the bottle because it might be the generic title for it or it might be something else related to but it is the same medication and you have to kind of do some research is that the one I'm, that's on this list and so when i think about this uh first of all i understand how people make mistakes and they hurt themselves they harm themselves but obviously the same thing can happen when they start throwing stuff into our water so uh this is very important and i think the other thing that's kind of interesting here is Folks listening, if you're casually listening to this conversation, you're going to think, oh, well, the MWRD is going to vote on this on Tuesday. No, you're working with a different governmental body, which is Cook County Board of Commissioners. And as you said, you've budgeted some money to help with this program. You're working with them and encouraging them to pass this really sensible law. So it behooves people listening to contact their county commissioners. You sent out um, recently um, a, a newsletter that lists all of them. And, Peggy, we need to get this list up on I – can, I can probably do a um, – I'll have to do something to, to, to get this up on, on the website because uh, I don't know if uh, you have a URL version of, uh, of your newsletter. But, uh, folks, they need to pick up the phone and, well, and call their commissioners. Thank you, Mike. That's a great suggestion. I can tell you that Commissioner Larry Sufferden is the chief sponsor. He's been working on this for months, and a number of other commissioners have been very supportive from the outset. Uh, President Preckwinkle is supportive, but uh, it certainly would help for people and those who live in the south suburbs and southwestern part of the county who are the least served at the moment by these collection sites mm-hmm. uh, should contact their commissioners. One other piece about this ordinance that I like a lot is that it has a provision, Mike, for people who don't drive or who may be shut-ins at home to receive a free mail-back envelope where they can dispose of their unused drugs by receiving a mail-back pouch. It's postage paid, they can put their drugs in there, and they will be sent to a safe incinerator that's EPA approved and safely destroyed. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, see, this is, I'm telling you folks, this, this seems like a really, really good law, and that's the problem. Usually when you get a good law, it, it, it's hard to pass. I don't know why that is, but the good laws sometimes don't get passed. I'm just thinking if it does get passed, how do you get the word out to everybody? Because people get that common knowledge in their head of, well, well, I'm supposed to flush this. Well, you know, and part of the problem is that the FDA still has a flush rule, don't they? Well, FDA, by the way, does not regulate our environment. It's EPA. I know. And EPA promotes take-back programs as their first and best option. They recognize that for people who live in rural areas or where there are no take-back programs, that they do recommend mixing unused meds with kitty litter or coffee grounds and throwing them out in the trash. I think that's terrible advice because it will end up in groundwater Mm -hmm. or in our rivers and streams, even in a properly capped landfill, rain will 
uh, cause these compounds to dissolve. They'll end up in leachate coming into sewage plants, and we cannot remove the pharmaceuticals. I guess so, the point I'm making, though, is that the, the U.S. government uh, has – and if you look at the U.S. government and the different agencies, and then you look at the state and local governments, it's, it's a mishmash of different policies regarding these pharmaceuticals. We have no national standard for this. That's, is that correct? That's correct. There are different agencies with different authorities, though I think that if Cook County is able to develop this program uh, and expand it considerably, we'll be a model for the nation. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Peggy. Well, just what I was curious about, how do you educate people, though, once even if we, you know, we get to being a model for the nation, it passes, how do you get the average person knowing what to do. Well, that how takes do you, money too, doesn't and, it? And how do you educate their health care provider to tell them so, you can take it back? Right. Well, and I think that that's work that the Water Reclamation District can do, that the Cook County Department of Public Health can do. Uh, I give lots of talks and always uh, ask people, do you have unused meds? And they always say, I've got a baggie full in my mm-hmm. medicine cabinet. Uh, and the measure that's been proposed encourages pharmaceutical manufacturers to promote Cook County's collection program. And so I think there'll be lots of ways to promote it and lots of people eager to do so. Well, the first thing we have to do is get the law passed. Yeah. Um, And so if if it gets out of committee, how soon before a full vote? Uh, My understanding is that if it's passed out of committee on Tuesday, it may be on the agenda for the full board on Wednesday. Oh, that that wow. quickly. And to go into effect uh, at the beginning of 2017. Correct. Uh, but without perhaps the financial commitment from the pharmaceuticals, so that, that would be delayed a year? Is that how that's going to work? Probably a year to a year and a half to give the sheriff time to – Uh, expand the program, and then get a full assessment of the costs. It does, the the ordinance does create an advisory board that will have a number of representatives of public agencies, the Department of Public Health for the county, the Department of Environmental Control, the sheriff, a representative from Water Reclamation District, to help oversee this effort and provide direction. Well, again, folks, uh, if you're interested in this, um, and we will figure out by the end of the show or right after the end of the show how to get this information up, probably on the Facebook page, uh, I will get it up on my blog. Go to MikeNovak.net, and I'm going to put this full list of uh, county commissioners and their contact information up on my blog so that, uh, you know, that's going to be the easiest thing. I'm just going to cut and paste and just slam that thing up on the blog. If you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and you go to the homepage and it says read about this week's show, that's the blog. And uh, scroll down and, and that information, look below the photo of, of me and Deborah. And I actually put a photo that you might like better than the last one I had up there. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's great. I'm always thinking of you, Deborah. Um, that is Deborah Shore, who's a commissioner with the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Before we let you go, uh, just wanted to do a couple of other really quick things. Um, first of all, let me ask you, aside from this, what do you 
what's at the, the, the top of your agenda for MWRD? So we've been making great strides in moving into what I call resource recovery, which is recognizing that all those things that we used to consider waste have value. So how do we capture and monetize that value? And we're doing that with nutrients, principally phosphorus, at the largest treatment plant to take phosphorus out of the treated water and turn it into a slow-release fertilizer that we can sell that's not Mm water-soluble. We're moving on producing a high-quality compost by mixing wood chips from the city of Chicago's uh, wood waste with our biosolids and producing a high-quality compost that we want to sell. We're looking at uh, a biogas project at the Calumet plant and finally, reuse of treated water for industrial purposes. So we don't have to use drinking water mm-hmm. for cleaning, preparing cars for painting, for instance. Oh, my goodness. You know, our use of potable water is unconscionable uh, in, in America because uh, it's such a finite resource on this planet. One percent of the water on the earth is potable, that is to say drinkable. And we've got 20 percent of it in our Great Lakes here. And we use it, like you said, to wash our cars and to, uh, to, to water our lawns, which is crazy. And industrial everything. Right. So, uh There's an election coming up, and one of the candidates for the Water Reclamation Board, Josina Morita, wants to work on gray water, the the use Mm -hmm. of rainwater or used water, so that we don't use drinking water to flush our toilets, for instance. Exactly. There's a lot of promising work that can be done in that arena. Yeah, and and of course, you're not up for uh, re-election this this, uh, year. do you want to make your recommendations? You're welcome to, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. The three candidates I'm supporting for a six-year term are Josina Morita, Barbara McGowan, and Mariana Spiropoulos. Mm-hmm. And there's a candidate for a two-year term, and Marty Durkin uh, is the one I'm supporting. Okay. Uh, and the, the you talked about the the resource reclamation which is pretty interesting you know considering that we we have way too much phosphorus mm-hmm. in our water and it and it creates algae builds up build up in dead zones um, i've talked about dead zones i did a soil test on my yard uh i went to uh, the talking farm uh a few weeks ago on a saturday and we did soil tests um and um my phosphorus is through the roof you know and i don't add I don't, I don't use fertilizers. You know, there's a lot of that out there uh, that folks don't know about. And you got to be really careful about the phosphorus. The other thing is biosolids, which you, you and I have talked for years about this, Deborah, because they're very controversial. Uh, there are people I know who I trust and I think are, are good people in um, organic gardening who, who say, I will never use biosolids on my garden. And my, my response to that is always, okay, fine. What do you suggest we do with all the biosolids? The biosolids produced by 7 billion people, soon to be 9 billion people on our planet. And that usually gets their attention. And, and, and that's kind of what you're doing. I mean, l- let's look at the, the fertilizer, malorganite. That's biosolids. Right. Okay? And we say biosolids, okay, It's polite. That's the polite way of saying human waste. But people have been using human waste to fertilize for for millennia. All right. 
yeah, there are there are dangers to it. That's why you have to do it uh, uh, scientifically. You know, uh, Milorganite even had issues with heavy metals in the 90s. They shut down their factory for six months. They got rid of that. They started it up again, uh, and the product is free pretty much of he- heavy metals now. It's certainly, and it's the only fertilizer, as far as I know, it's regulated by the EPA. Uh, there's a lot of fertilizers out there, and you don't know what's in them. Uh, so the idea is we produce all this stuff. We have to do something with it, and that's what um, MWRD is trying to champion. Right, and there are – so the MWRD has done a lot of work, as I mentioned, with industry to keep heavy metals out of the waste stream. Ninety-five percent of what the district produces now are what are called Class A biosolids. They meet or surpass stringent EPA standards – and I would suggest that if anybody wants to know what's in them, ask for a sample. And have and a get test it, Yeah, have a test done. Right, exactly. But they meet very stringent standards and are high quality. And, you know, Mike, it's interesting because gardening combines sentiment and science. Uh, yeah, it's true. I, if you go to the Garden Professor's blog, I don't know if you know about that, but there's a lot of that because it's a science-based blog uh, on Facebook. And... Y- you can watch people get crazy uh, when people come in and and talk about stuff from the heart that has no scientific basis. And the people on the blog can, are continually saying, this is a science-based blog. Please keep it to science. You know, but you're right. About gardening, people go both ways on it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you're continuing to delve into the issue of biosolids. Uh, Final question, unless you you got something. No, go okay. ahead. I'm, I'm on a roll here. Uh, final question is uh, disinfection of, uh, of, of the rivers in and around Chicago. Uh, how's that going? Great, absolutely great. The plant in Howard, at Howard and McCormick, our, our Skokie plant, uh, installed ultraviolet light. So it was turned on in March and has been disinfecting the effluent, the treated wastewater from that plant since March. At the Calumet plant at 130th and Torrance, we are using chlorination and dechlorination to kill bacteria. So you're not using the same processes in both? Both. Is it an experiment to see which works better, or is it something else? our staff did an analysis, and, and many years ago the Calumet plant had used chlorination, and so the facilities and the storage tanks were already there. Uh, not the case at our north side plant. And so the analysis was made that it would be most suitable and economical to use chlorination at the Calumet plant. Uh, UV lighted, it's much more energy intensive, uh, but we installed that at the north side plant. But I understand that Argonne is doing some studies of the uh, bacteria content in these waterways, and they are. It's fantastic the, how effective this disinfection has been, such that our executive director, David St. Pierre, and others jumped into the CalSAG channel on August 27th. That's <laughs> uh, a photo op. Did a CalSAG plunge, uh, in part because the quality of the water is better. And mm-hmm. since the Thornton Reservoir went online late last fall, there have been no combined sewer overflows into the CalSAG channel. Wow. Uh, and that's 
that's just a happy coincidence? No, it's no, it's because the, of that. The 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 reservoir is working as designed. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm sorry. Not. The reservoir. Yeah. Yes, it's, yes. I'm it's sorry. capturing it those yeah. combined yeah. shore overflows so that the cleaner water that's disinfected from the Calumet plant is what's going exactly. Okay, the, great. In the channel. That's yeah. that's see now that's that's great stuff, and I can't wait. Uh, for you guys to be able to, you know, in a couple of years when you can really quantify this uh, and let people know that uh, maybe uh, our our very own Chicago River is getting a little cleaner. That's that's great stuff. Yeah. Well, um, yes. No, I I was going to ask about the Stickney plant. Is that open for tours for people to see? Can they arrange to, to they can, view it? They can sign up for tours. It's on the district's homepage of the website, which is mwrd.org. If you go on the left-hand side, I think there's a link that says tour information. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, children under the age of 13 or so are not permitted, but school groups and others certainly are welcome to arrange a tour. And watch the reclamation of nutrients mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from our water supply. Uh, Commissioner Deborah Shore, Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. I always love having you on here, and I'm so glad uh, you're so gracious with your your time uh, to come in. Thank you for the opportunity, Mike. Uh, You're most welcome. Did you know, Mike, that Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies? I actually did. Good, good. Well, if you didn't, you could find out more at chicagoairbrushsupply.com or artsupply.com or stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say that you heard about them on Q4 Radio or the Mike Novak Show, and you'll get an extra 10% off their already discounted prices. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier, serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. Food Tank is excited to announce the first annual or inaugural, there we go, inaugural, Food Tank Summit in Chicago on November 16th at the Gleacher Center. More than 30 different speakers from the food and agriculture field, including researchers, farmers, chefs, policymakers, government officials, and students, will come together for interactive panels moderated by top food journalists. After the summit, join Food Tank for a reception and dinner at Chef Mario Batali's Italy. The Mike Novak Show is proud to be a media sponsor of this event. Learn more and buy your tickets at foodtanksummit.com. Mike Novak Show listeners get 50 bucks off with the code MIKE. So go to foodtanksummit.com. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives and Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. 
Want to make a positive move in the housing market? Replace your siding and windows. You'll improve your home's look and energy efficiency, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling and energy needs. Siding, windows, solar and wind power, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. This is Peggy Malecki of Natural Awakenings Magazine for Chicago Wilderness. You can friend a person on social media, but how do you friend a native plant or animal that's in danger of going extinct? 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to support critical species and their habitats in our region. There are more than a half million acres of protected nature in the Chicago area. Sadly, that's not enough to keep key plant and animal life from disappearing. Friend a critical species today. Go to chicagowilderness.org slash species. We're sailing in a strange boat Heading for a strange shore We're sailing in a strange boat Heading for a strange shore Carrying the strangest cargo that was Ever hauled aboard and I think that uh, refers a little bit to uh, <laughs> the waters in Chicago, but also the times we live in. And one of the strangest boats of all is uh, the idea that uh, the Cubs are now in the World Series. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I can't believe I'm actually uh, saying those words, Cubs and World Series, in the same sentence. It's it's really really odd. And I'm giving. Uh, uh, our next uh, guest, a call, Karen Lewis, uh, uh, who is uh, with uh, Chicago Wilderness. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM and Q4.org. Karen, are you there? I'm here. Are you there? Uh, yeah, we're both here. Thank you so much for being on the program. Sure. Uh, K- Karen is the uh, project manager for uh, Chicago Wilderness and... Uh, you've been working uh, furiously on the Chicago Wilder- uh, Wilderness Congress, which comes up on the 2nd of November, I imagine. That is right. I actually spent last night working on multiple um, components of the fabulous day while I watched the Cubs win. So it was a <laughs> fun way to spend my Saturday evening. Yeah, it's a, that's a good way to do it. Uh, I, I, you know, that's what I was doing here. I was putting the stuff together for the show, and I had the Cubs on kind of in the background, and... Then when they won, you just sort of sat back and went, "Okay." I so didn't. I didn't. Didn't I, go dancing in your living room. I did not dance in my living room. I'm. I'm just. I just kind of sat there and said, "I got to get stuff done." Okay, have have fun. I, if I have, if I had had champagne, I probably would have sprayed my cat with it. But other than that, I actually stepped out onto the balcony and listened to all of the horns honking and the people screaming and the fireworks going off. So it was fun. Great. Uh, so. We've got the Congress coming up. Um, this is a, a sort of a semi-regular event, isn't it? It is, yes. We have this event every other year. It's a biannual event. Um, the last Congress was spring of 2014. And we're now working on a fun new um, Congress, only because we've revamped um, what we're doing for the day to celebrate and acknowledge our 20th anniversary. That, that, that's right. I'd forgotten about that 20th anniversary of uh, Chicago Wilderness. So um, it's a it's a day long event, and where's it being held? 
It's being held at UIC Forum, which is at 725 West Roosevelt Road, right at Halstead and Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. um, it's all day. You're right, Mike. Um, people can come as early as 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll end the day um, at 430 with the reception and a species story slam, which is an opportunity <laughs> for folks who have had some kind of encounter with an animal in our region and tell their story about that animal, whether it's a raccoon in your backyard a spider crawling up your sink, or an encounter with a bear in the woods. What about rats? Does it, does that qualify? Oh, there aren't any rats in Chicago. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. What was I? What was I thinking? I don't know. Um, and uh, the idea of the Congress, uh, the way it's uh, organized, is that you have various tracks right, uh, that people can sort of glom onto during the – I mean, they're obviously free to go where they will, but um, tell us about some of the tracks that you have. Sure. Um, there's two ways in which this Congress is being organized, and you're right, Mike. One is around our three tracks. We have over 200 member organizations, and many of them submitted panel presentation proposals because of the information they want to share with all of our members in the region about the work they're doing. And so we asked them when they submitted their these proposals to think about how to frame them in one of three ways. One would be show me the money, which is, you know, how does one go about trying to conserve our resources and our habitat, given the fact that we have limited funding these days and <laughs> creative ways to do that? Especially in the environmental world, okay? One of, right. the, th one of the things I've uh, noted over the years, and Peggy knows this too, is that uh, the guys working the hardest to preserve the planet are the ones that seem to have the least money. Yeah, it does seem like that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where it becomes um, incumbent upon us to work out or work, um, reach out to other people and other organizations to find reasons why businesses should become involved with us and reasons why they should become engaged and support us through financial funding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one of them. Show me the money. Another one would be step out of your silo. That's our second track. And that is just simply looking at creative ways in which different organizations can get together to collaborate, um, to share the information that they have, or to get other people engaged in the work that they're doing. So it's just creative partnerships that have, been, uh, that have resulted um, as a result of people reaching out to other organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our third track, so we already have Show Me the Money, and we have Step Out of Your Silo. The third track is Epic Fails and Triumphant Results. And this is one where we ask people to really be bold and share with us programs or projects they have started, initiatives they've begun, with an intent in mind. And things don't always go, go smoothly. In fact, I think it's rare that things always go as planned. And we wanted people to be able to come together and share their experiences in coming up with a program or designing an initiative and working through issues that arise, problems that arise so that things kind of go off track, and then how they brought it around to end up with triumphant results. Or maybe they didn't, because that's you learn just as much from failure as you do from success, I think. Exactly. As, right. lo as long as you, you, know, you can pick yourself up and move forward and certainly i've been involved in projects and 
organizations that have had hard times. And I think that's actually a very good uh, uh, track there at uh, the, the Congress is to get the I hope you get the really good stories. And I suspect you will. We do have really good stories. And because of the work that these people do, everyone's supportive of everyone else and understands that, of course, there will be failures. And so I think you're right, Mike, that it will be a great atmosphere in which people can feel comfortable sharing these failures <clears throat> or learnings. I think maybe learnings is a better word. <laughs> oh, come on. We know, we know what a failure is. I know what a failure looks like when I see it. And, and lots of times there's more to learn out of the failures yeah, that you can apply that. for next time. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, so how, how do these work? You've got the, the epic fails and triumphant results and step out of your silo and show me the money. Right. Um, and a different uh, – well, they, you follow those tracks all day. So you've got some. I'm looking at some of the uh, um, the sessions you have. Yeah. Engaging communities. Step out of your silo. That's that's another one I'm interested in. Engaging communities to build effective long-term conservation. Um, we had earlier on the show Kelly Nichols from uh, Mom's Clean Air Force. Oh yeah. And she's she's great, but she says you know for a long time she was one of those people who who wasn't really doing anything, wanted to know, you know, was interested in stuff, uh, but had to sort of step out of that role. Uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, until she became a mom that she found that she needed to get these things done. And, and I guess that's kind of a, an approach you take with communities too, is how do you, how do you drag them out of their, uh, not complacency, but just the inability to, to engage. That, that is a challenge. Um, and that actually speaks, Mike, to the second way in which this, oh, the second component of how um, our Congress is organized. Not only are we looking at these three tracks, and one of them being the step out of your silo and, silo and figuring out how to get people engaged and work with organizations you wouldn't normally work with to have that happen. But the other purpose of our day, aside from the 20th anniversary, is to also talk about Chicago Wilderness's reorganization to, for greater regional relevance and impact. And what we've done in the last year and a half is taken a step back and really looked at how can we use the resources we have in the region, build on the great base of work that's been done, and collaborate even better. And so we have developed six focus areas. And that's how another part of the day is going to be spent, not only in these panel presentations, where people have an understanding of the different uh, different organizations work through these three tracks, but also the six focus areas and how any member organization and anyone else for that matter can become engaged through those six focus areas. And one of them speaks to what you were just talking about. It's called Beyond the Choir. And that's where we're trying to figure out how do you reach out to communities who no, aren't normally engaged in conservation mm-hmm. or thinking about the relationship to our natural world mm-hmm. and make it relevant to them. And, 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 I, and I would say, because I'm going to be talking, and I've mentioned this on the show before, I'm going to have a conversation on my show about it. Um, one of those areas or groups of people has to be people of color. Right. Uh, the environmental movement has got to get serious about engaging all people in the movement, or it isn't going to happen. Um, that's just the way it is. And so maybe this is 
one of the things that will come up during this Congress. And that's is that the... one of the things that's coming up? We actually have um, some folks from University of Chicago and the Public Health um, Policy Institute are coming in, and we'll be talking about how we're going to become engaged with them and some work they're doing with um, diverse communities and trying to make that connection between one's health and the environment. Um, so, Mike, you're right on the target there. And then after the Congress, I know you guys have another event planned for February, Wild Things, and there's many other opportunities for engagement. But after the Congress, are some of these conversations going to continue? If people can't attend, mm-hmm. how can they get involved with Good those question, conversations? Peggy. Well, first of all, we really hope people will attend. Registration is still open. And I'm not quite sure how you do this on the radio to tell people where to go, but um, you can go to <laughs> chicagowilderness.org and click on the link for Congress, and that will take you there. Yeah, and it's like, really easy. I'm, I'm there right yeah, now. You just yeah, go to chicagowilderness.org, and you'll see the uh, a photo and a link for the Congress, and you can find the, uh, the schedule there as well to see what's right. going on, and you can also register. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can drill down and understand a lot more about each of the panel conversations and about the town hall meetings, Peggy, which is what I wanted to bring up when you asked that question. How can people become engaged and involved at Congress? And then we can talk about it afterwards. But at Congress, we're going to spend, we have a whole session devoted to drilling down. People will be signing up to attend one of six town hall sessions, each one of those associated with one of our focus areas, whether it be water as a resource, data, uh, prior priority species, um, beyond the choir, and two other ones. And those are designed for everyone to actually have an interactive dialogue and talk about the work they're doing, find out what work other people are doing, and then brainstorm about what the possibilities are and what are the next steps. With some of our focus areas, like priority species, we're further along. In fact, we actually have a bunch of working groups with our lead partners working to protect and preserve um, 12 priority species in the, in the region. Um, but others, like Beyond the Choir and our landowners' focus area, are very new. And those are the ones where we really hope to gain a lot of traction and be able to get people to talk about the work they're doing and brainstorm about how we can work together to move forward. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I should uh, mention to our, our listening audience uh, that uh, you, you hear on the Mike Novak Show, we've been running... Uh, public service announcements for the priority species for the one home campaign. Uh, this is the same group, uh, the Congress. And uh, Peggy and I are proud to be uh, media sponsors uh, for this event on the second. In fact, we will be there. Um, and uh, a, a couple of things that, uh, you know, you mentioned some of this already, but it's not all just serious stuff. The opening performance um, features the Jackalope Theater. I see right. here, and you also have, uh, you mentioned the reception and species story slam at the end of the day, which I think is cool, but you also have something called speed mentoring um, in the afternoon. What's that? What's that? <laughs> What's well, that? That is something that we are very excited to continue to do, and it speaks to, Mike, what you were talking about earlier with respect to making sure that we are engaging the next generation and reaching out to people of all color and all background. And speed mentoring is one way in which we are going to be able to do that. When people go online and register, they can either choose to be a mentor or a mentee. 
And that simply means that instead of going to the town hall session, they will participate in an expert-led speed mentoring session where students, we've, we've actually specifically done outreach to students at universities, students and young professionals can sit down in front of a mentor, someone who's more experienced in a particular area, and have a conversation. And we'll be giving them questions they can ask and information they should be sharing to help spur that dialogue. And then the objective is that not only will they have an opportunity there to talk about what they're interested in, but that connections can be made and people can continue to talk to each other after Congress. Uh, one of the other things I, I want to mention is, uh, because they've been on this program and I'm part of the uh, the group, is uh, Chicago Living Corridors, uh, which is uh, an afternoon session. The yeah. the We had uh, Arthur Smith and Pamela Todd from Chicago Living Corridors on the show a couple of weeks ago to talk about the idea of taking private land and getting folks to understand that, that it needs to be habitat also. Not not particularly just lawn, uh, but, you know, other things, uh, natives, uh, to encourage our native species uh, because 95% of the land in Illinois is privately owned. So that's going to be one of the sessions uh, in the afternoon in the step-out-of-your-silo uh, track. Uh, this is, just sounds uh, great, uh, Karen. Uh, by the way, it's Karen Lewis from Chicago Wilderness. It, uh, Karen, it, it just sounds... Uh, terrific, and I'm hoping that people take advantage of it. Again, they can go to chicagowilderness.org, and all the information is there. Look for uh, the Congress. Uh, Peggy, anything you uh, had uh, to add here? No, I think it's a good opportunity for people to see how all these groups are working together. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people say, well, why doesn't someone do something about it? They come to this. (laughs) Here's a great chance to go to a town hall, and you can be someone doing something about it. That's right. Why come nobody does anything about this stuff? Exactly. This is where we really hope to form working groups. We already have working groups in a number of the sessions, a number of the um, focus areas, but as you were just alluding to, landowners, that's Mm -hmm. huge. And the opportunity there is humongous, especially with respect to the work we're doing with oak and mapping oak trees and the diminishing um, population of oaks in the region. And we're really hoping that people will attend that session and will find collaborative ways to work together and form some new strategies moving forward. Uh, Before I let you go, Karen, uh, we need to let people know how you and I met this this spring at uh, the Good Food Festival. And you you had a photo taken of the two of us because... Because uh, my maiden name is Nowak. And my father, um, who passed away a few years ago, his name was Michael Nowak. And I just thought it was kismet that I would meet another Mike Nowak who <laughs> would be interested in the environment the way I am. So I thought it was great. Uh, well, I'm so glad. And, I'm, and, I, and if you ever find that photo, send it to me, okay? I'd I'm li- looking for it. Okay. Track that yeah. down, and I'll, I'll post it on my uh, Facebook page and stuff like that. Uh, Karen Lewis, thank you so much. Karen Nowak, or... Novak, if as I would pronounce it, Karen Novak Lewis. Uh, thank you so much, and um, I will see you on the second. Sounds great. Thanks to you and Peggy. And again, we encourage everyone to register. It's a great way to network. Oh, by the way, how long do they have to register for this? Well, ideally, I'd love everyone to register by the beginning of this week. But the final deadline online is this Friday. Okay. And should there still be spots left, then people can walk in on the second. Cool. And if they just want to come for the evening festivities, can they do that? 
Well, we are. Uh, we don't have a different rate just for the evening, so they could, but they still need to pay that registration fee okay. for the day. And what, and what is the registration fee? It depends on whether or not you are a member or a non-member, so we have different rates. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, for non-members, it's $125 for the day, and for members, it's 110 Okay. Okay? Uh, Students are $40. Ah, good. Good. Get get those students in there as well. The next generation, as you said. Exactly. Uh, we also are offering scholarships for students to get them in as well. Oh, good. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Karen. We'll Thanks, Karen. Uh, see Thank you on you. the second. Sounds great. Go Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, something going on with the Cubs? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that's uh, That's kind of it for the day. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm missing Rick DeMaio here. I know. He'll be back next week. Rick DeMaio with a, you know, I know it's a beautiful day and we need to know what's going on, but let's, uh, I'll give you the quick forecast. The weather's going to be uh, sunny. sunny today and uh, for the rest of the week. Um, good gardening weather. Uh, hint, good, hint, we- just hint. weather, good weather to get out there and deal with the plants that have been staring at you for a few weeks in your backyard. That's the one I there want. There they are. Okay. I want to thank everybody. Who is on the show today? Uh, Kelly Nichols from uh, Mom's Clean Air Force. Deborah Shore from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Karen Lewis from Chicago Wilderness. Uh, I want to thank the good folks yesterday at the Hullabaloo 2016 at the Talking Farm. And uh, thank you, Peggy, for coming out there yesterday with me. That was a lot of fun. All right. Until next week, go green or... Go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.